church history class, we, we talked about the things that led up to uh, the establishment of the church. We talked about the, uh, the falling away that was uh, uh, predicted. And we've been kind of talking about that aspect of the falling away. It wasn't something that was unexpected. In fact, it was something that was uh, Paul prophesied about, Peter talked about, James talked about it, various other uh, writers spoke of this coming, falling away that would happen. Jesus predicted false prophets would come, Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Paul specifically warned Timothy of those particular things. Uh, if you'll notice 2 Timothy 4, beginning with verse 1, and we're familiar <coughs> with this uh, passage of Scripture through verse 4. Paul said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. That has always been the commandment. Uh, Peter and the other apostles began doing that on the day of Pentecost, and God expects and does it and continues to expect that that happens. Now, in this immediate context of Second um, Timothy chapter four, Paul gives another reasoning behind why they were to preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. Of course, that means you preach it when it's popular and you preach it when it's not popular. Right? Why? Because there will come a time, he continues. He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Anyone who teaches a precept, a concept, a law, any kind of uh, 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 doctrine whatsoever that is in opposition to what God teaches, or that encourages someone <clears throat> to be able to leave the precepts of God and go follow after something that was created by another person, those people, uh, the Bible refers to them as seducing spirits. Now, Paul just spoke about those types of people. They're, they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, the, the uh, the people have the itching ears, so they'll heap to themselves teachers so they can scratch their ear, tell them what they want to hear, and people who encourage that type of thing are seducing spirits. And so we have to be on the watch for that. And that's why Paul said, preach the Word always, right? Stand firm, uh, teach the truth, don't waver in any way whatsoever. Because this time was coming. So this isn't something that was unexpected. Any comments? Yeah. You know. Sure. And, and, and uh, what Preston's talking about, talking about uh, not abstaining from certain meats, forbidding to marry. Now, in that context, it's not, you know, they're not prophesying the Catholic Church. They're actually talking about Gnosticism, but that is from where the Catholicism came. We'll notice that as we continue. They they taught all sorts of things that were in opposition. You know, uh, we go all the way back to Acts chapter ten. What God say about eating particular meats? 
He said, don't call what I've uh, cleansed unclean, right? I've said this is clean. You rise and eat it. Uh, don't call it common, right? It's something that I've given. Eat your meat with gladness, Paul said, didn't he? Uh, we, uh, uh, we go on and, and we look in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in different places where Paul addressed the marital state. Uh, the writer of Hebrews addressed the marital state. At what point in the history of mankind did God ever say that people who were followers of His were not allowed to marry? It does Nowhere, right? It doesn't exist. It's, that's not going to happen. It's never happened. What's the benefit of that? In fact, didn't Paul himself say, I could be like our brother Peter? I could lead around a wife if I so chose to lead one around, right? I could be married. I chose not to be married. Uh, and that's fine. No, You don't have to be married. But we can't put a law in place that forbids someone from marrying, right? There have been all sorts of problems that come that came from that particular false doctrine over the years. So... We have to be on guard and always be continually teaching the truth. Seducing spirits carry out their wickedness through hypocrisy, through uh, uh, lies and, and, and things of that nature, <clears throat> for instance. And ultimately we're getting, uh, uh, this culminates or we get to, we get into the third century and and we begin to see the things uh, that's happening with the Catholic Church beginning to form and a little earlier than that. But <clears throat> people will demand something of someone that God has not bound upon them, and about 100% of the time they don't follow that themselves, do they? It's binding on someone else. That's not anything unusual. <coughs> Pharisees did that, you know. You bind on uh, the people a burden you yourself cannot bear. And so uh, that's how these seducing spirits operate and how they, how they carry out the things that they, uh, uh, they want to carry out. Now notice something else Paul said. 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 1. <clears throat> he said, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now, when we get when we move a couple hundred years into the future from this point, we're going to see people who fit that description. Of course, they fit that description then. The Gnostics fit that description. Uh, a Gnostic was someone who said, "I've got all the answers. I know you're, you're, if you're talking to anyone else other than me, you're talking to the wrong person." That's Gnosticism, right? We we are the enlightened ones, and of course, their big doctrine was Jesus was not God. God can't come in the flesh, okay? But that same attitude prevailed and when we see the Catholic Church coming into existence. And again, let's, let's keep in mind, this is not a prophecy about the Catholic Church. It's a prophecy about Gnosticism. But we see every one of these uh, descriptions 
within that Catholic Church because it begins with this idea of uh, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers, uh, you know, boasters, proud, blasphemers, on and on. And that fits right in with what was happening when the Catholic Church came into existence. <clears throat> but the, the original falling away was not the Catholic Church, but I think it, the result was we got the Catholic Church. Any comments? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, uh, the conditions of which Paul warned here was about to happen. They were going to be uh, fairly imminent without doubt, and Timothy was to continually call it to mind. Paul was warning, look, this is coming. Kind of reminds us of the revelation, doesn't it? When in that first three chapters, Jesus is speaking to the seven churches of Asia, and he's, in essence, he's saying, problems are coming, problems are coming, you better get ready. You better get ready. You're not ready for this. You need to uh, strengthen yourselves in these areas so you can get ready for this coming persecution. You know, and so, uh, and, and Paul very straightway says, you know, they're wicked men. They're lovers of themselves. But, but people had always been sinful toward God, right? I mean, we look back over the history of people. How many people are faithful to God at, at, at any given dispensation of time? A minority. <clears throat> Clay and I were talking about that this morning. The church today is the minority of the minority. right? And so uh, we have to make sure we maintain the integrity of the church. We have to present the gospel in love. And we have to do everything we can to make sure that people have an opportunity to hear. Because we are the minority. But... When these last days of which Paul was speaking, of which Christ spoke, and which we're in right now when Paul was, the last days began on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, Peter specifically stated that. Uh, these characteristics were prevalent, but they were really about to, we might say, blow up. There was really about to be... a. a uh, a change toward that even more than what people were used to. And so what would come would make what was going on at that time almost seem insignificant, you know, because it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And that's what's happening. I mean, we see it in the world. Oh, it's just continually getting worse. Second <clears throat> uh, Peter 2, verses 1 through 2. Peter warned uh, about the apostates that would come. And he said, also among the people. He said, there'll be false prophets among you. They privately sneak in and begin this. But that's how a false prophet operates, isn't it? How many false prophets show up at the church building, get up in the pulpit and say, well, I'm glad I'm here. I am about to change everything we believe and head us down another direction. <laughs> Not going to happen, is it? They come in sneakily, that's what privately, they sneakily come in and they begin to subvert things and change things and then little by little, you know, uh, things are not what they used to be. It's a long walk from the stage to that door. But if it's just one step at a time, every once in a while, it's easy to take one step, right? Just take one step, another step. Here in a little while, you know, we're almost to the 
And so what's another step, right? And that's how Satan operates, and that's exactly how this happened when the church began to go through this process of uh, falling away. Now, uh, Jude, Jude, uh, Jude verse 4 talks again about people creeping in unawares and denying the Lord. And that's how we know that this falling away was uh, dealing with Gnosticism. Jesus, uh, you know, God can't take the form of a man. That's a Jehovah's Witness doctrine. That's a Jehovah's Witness doctrine. Uh, God, Jesus is not God. He's not deity. Uh, and so they... they uh, they hold that oneness doctrine. There's only one personality within the Godhood. And so uh, that's how we know it's, it's Gnosticism. But again, I think that it led to the establishment of the Catholic Church. Now, when we look at the people who, the organizations in existence today, they read these things and they say, well, that can't possibly be talking about us. The, the person sitting over in the Vatican City... Pope, Christ's vicar on earth, the one who usurped the authority and the throne of God, says they can't be talking about us. We've never denied Jesus. But what have they taught? They've taught everything in opposition to what Jesus teaches. And if you teach something in opposition to someone, what are you doing? You're denying those that person because you're taking his authority. You're taking everything away from him. So you are denying him. You're denying him his position as God. As far as this world is concerned, no one can take, uh, you know, the godhood away from the Christ. But in this physical world, that's what is happening, right? And so um, they don't believe it's it's talking about them. You know, they profess to know God, but their works say something different, right? Paul talked to Titus about that. Titus one sixteen. Okay, the United Methodist Church now fellowship in the gay and lesbian community. So they're denying Christ because they've taken His authority away, God's authority, and now they're they're claiming uh, a doctrine that is wholly apart from what the Bible says. You know, <clears throat> here here's what the world tries to intend. If you disagree with a with that, let's, we'll talk about that lifestyle. If you disagree with that lifestyle, you, all you are is a hateful person, right? You're just a, you're a hater. You're a hateful person. You're not very Christian-like. Christians don't hate. Well, look, here's the thing. We don't hate those people. We don't hate anybody. We don't agree with the sin in which they're living. We don't agree with the sins in which they participate. No more... Uh, someone who's a murderer or, uh, you know, an alcoholic, a drug addict, whatever the case may be, we don't uh, appreciate or support any of those sins. But we want that person to overcome those sins so they can gain heaven, right? And so those are false charges leveled against God's people. Are there organizations out there who claim to be Christians who are hateful? Yes. We've talked about the Westboro Baptist Church before. That's some of the most hateful people I've ever read about or watched in my life. Disrespectful and hateful. And hateful. So, uh, you know, we're not going to behave that way. But 
we're not also going to just capitulate to some kind of a sin and say, okay, well, to prove that I'm not a hater, we'll go ahead and do this. That sounds exactly like 1 Corinthians chapter 5, doesn't it? Paul told the church there, said, not only did you not rebuke the brother who was living in fornication with his stepmother, you boasted about it. Right? Look how much we love him. We're not even saying anything about it. Exactly opposite of what God expects out of His people. You know, we don't mistreat anyone, but we do not stand for any false teaching. We stand against those things. Any comments? Oh yeah, you 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 know you don't you don't give in to that stuff. You don't give in to that stuff. You stand up for it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, John said, First John two verse eighteen. He said, uh, "Little children, in the last hour, and as you have heard that the antichrist is coming, even now many antichrists have come." So what's an antichrist? You know, uh, <coughs> people get on this kind of this kick about the Antichrist, and they they get First John and Revelation kind of confused a little bit. The Antichrist never mentioned in the Revelation. John's the only one mentions the Antichrist. And then he says there are multiple Antichrists, right? There's not like one Antichrist coming to, to bring Armageddon into existence, right? What is an Antichrist? Anyone's Antichrist, right? Anyone's against Christ. Whether that's a false... Uh, organization who teaches false doctrine or whether that's someone who says I don't believe in God period or whether that's someone who uh, says they believe in God but they live like they don't believe in God <clears throat> so anything that's in opposition to God's antichrist and uh, so he's warning about that coming so how do we how do we avoid those kinds of people who sneak in unawares like John talked about Jude talked about Peter How do do we defend against those people? Well, John told us, didn't he? He said, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Try the spirits. Test the people who come in and say, okay, we're going to start start fellowshipping the the homosexual community and, and say that that's okay. So what do we do? Well, we try them. We test them. Okay, show me in the Scripture where God says that's okay. Or says that we can do that. Where do we get the authority for that? And, and so that's how we do it. And if we will always do that, and that's First John 4, 1. If we will always do that, then we will defend against something coming in, causing a problem, something being taught, right? The, the whole, and we'll get into, uh, here in just a little while, get into the uh, uh, government of the church. Uh, but how does the, the church maintain itself? How does the church prevent problems from coming in? Well, you need good leadership, right? How do you get good leadership? You have to have good membership, right? It's a checks and a balance, right? If, if you have a good eldership or good leadership and they, they watch out over the, the flock and, and make sure things are taught that are supposed to be taught, then we won't have a problem. And then if something arises, they address it. Well, what if you get an eldership that that's going off a little bit and they're doing things they shouldn't do. Well, the people have to stand up and make a stand, right? Rebuke that. Uh, that was one of the jobs that, that Paul gave Timothy. 
to, to rebuke the elder in the presence of many, right? So that they all can fear. Uh, we can never allow uh, uh, anyone to lead the church in a direction it shouldn't go. And uh, that was the problem. That's what caused this whole problem that, that Paul's prophesying about here and talking about. Uh, you know, you have to you have to be careful. Now, John talked about a man by the name of Diotrephes. Diotrephes had amassed so much power within the church. And, you know, we look at that and we think, how, how does that concept ever even enter into someone's mind? Within the Lord's church, you have this political fight going on. Who's going to be the boss? Who's going to make the decisions? Where did, that is so foreign to Christ's teaching that it is just pathetic, isn't it? But he had amassed so much authority that he could choose who could be a member there and who couldn't be a member there. And if you stood up and taught the truth, you were out. What did John say? He said, when I come, I'll remember that. I'll bring it to his attention. I mean, he's going to come with the power of an apostle, wasn't he? You don't want that. Uh, Paul told the same thing to Corinth. I can come in love or I can bring the rod of an apostle if I need to. You know, that's not what we want, but that's what can happen. And so we need to maintain and be very careful. Uh, you know, Christ in His last message that uh, God ever sent to humanity, uh, he, he sent to the church in Ephesus, right? He said, if you don't, uh, you don't straighten up, I'm going to come take your candlestick, right? I'm going to come. I'm going to bring punishment upon you. And so we need to be very aware of that. Uh, it seems to me that about which Paul warned the elders over in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, uh, was coming to pass after he left them. That must have been what was happening in Ephesus. And that's what Christ was addressing likely in the Revelation. Any comments? All right, so the uh, the falling away was prophesied. It wasn't something that snuck up on anybody. Jesus said it would happen, Matthew chapter 7. The apostles warned about it. They talked about it. They warned uh, uh, the preachers to whom they wrote letters, Timothy and Titus. Uh, <clears throat> John warned uh, to the individuals he wrote letters to and to the, the general epistle that he, <coughs> excuse me, that he wrote 1 John. And so now let's transition from the predicting of it to the falling away itself. And how'd that happen? What, what, uh, what caused those things to come about? And ultimately what we're, what we're going for here and what we're going to address ultimately is the formation of the Catholic Church. Again, let's keep in mind that prediction was not necessarily in that immediate context pointing to the Catholic Church. That didn't come on for a couple hundred years or more. But that was the result of this Gnosticism, okay? So, what we want to do is kind of focus on that culminating effect that uh, we know as the Catholic Church. Now, the origin of the Roman hierarchical system is obscured in frauds, those who claim piety, those who claim to be uh, lovers of God, 
and, and we don't see a lot of that because you have this fraudulent uh, facade as the face of the Catholic Church, okay? And we're going to notice some of the very things that they did, and and they, uh, you know, it, it's it's just unthinkable the teachings that they have come up with, okay? Uh, <clears throat> as we notice, the Apostolic Church had a plurality of elders. Nowhere. When discussing the eldership, does any of the writers talk about the elder? Okay? It's the eldership or the elders. Paul called the elders from Ephesus and he spoke with them, okay? Now, uh, and we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but just for sake of time, we'll just go through it briefly. Any meeting that uh, an organization has, you have to have someone presiding over the meeting, right? or you're not going to get anything accomplished. And so like <clears throat> most congregations I'm aware of, uh, the elders or the elderships within each of those congregations would choose someone. And, and my, what I'm familiar with is it's kind of on a rotating basis. Uh, we used to call it the elder of the month when I was in Memphis. He would chair the meeting. You needed to talk about something. You go talk to that particular elder. He was the contact elder. Of, uh, for that particular month, okay? Nothing wrong with that. That's not usurping authority. Even here where we have men's business meetings, we have someone who chairs the meeting, right? <clears throat> they don't have additional authority. They just simply make sure everything goes smoothly. Everything is addressed. That's a big responsibility, right? And so <clears throat> that's what happened. Well, uh, over time, what began to happen was they appointed someone, okay? You just be the full-time chair of the meeting. You know, maybe he was very well organized. He made sure everything was covered. And in and of itself, is there anything wrong with that? Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. <clears throat> you know, uh, anything, anything can be abused, right? Well, through the process of time, it began to be abused. And they began to differentiate between that elder and the other elders. He became known as the bishop. Everyone else was presbyters or elders. Okay? And so as time continued, and this is a gradual thing, right? It's not, uh, you change things as, as fast as the people will bear it. That's, that's how this whole thing came about. We're talking over the course of hundreds of years. And so, uh, this, this bishop became uh, uh, the lead elder, the head elder. So he's not really no, even no longer referred to as a bishop. Now, how do we know a bishop and an elder is the same office? Well, Timothy pointed that out, didn't he? A bishop and an elder. When he, when he began to talk about and, uh, the, the qualifications of an elder. And so over time, this man began to have the prominence. Now... What happens when now you have a prominent elder here who's the bishop? You got one here, you got one here, and then you'll have an area that have several congregations of the Lord's people, right? So now what do you have to have? Someone in charge of that area, right? And that's what happened. So now you, they began to put forth these names, this bishop of this place, this bishop of that place. Now we have to get a bishop who's over the 
the, you know, what they call it now, the College of Cardinals, right? It's kind of how that developed. And uh, the prominence was to the bishop who, those who were in the prominent cities, okay? So if you were in a big-time city, you were the prominent bishop, okay? And that's just kind of how this began to unfold. Now, uh, let me catch up here on my notes here a little bit. So, <clears throat> they had these prominent bishops, or whether you're a prominent bishop or not, they began to form what they call councils, okay? The Greeks called them councils, and that what that meant was you've got these bishops coming from uh, the different areas meeting together. Uh, the, the Latins called them synods, and so what it was, it was just a big old meeting, okay? A big old meeting. Uh, where everybody got together to decide, much like what Sister Jane was talking about, what was going to be doctrine and what was not going to be doctrine is continuing today. So the, was the United Methodist Church says that we're going to accept homosexual lifestyle. Well, who chose that? Who decided that? That council of uh, leaders for that particular organization. So the same thing was happening here. Okay, any comments or questions so far? Yeah, Brother Joe. Mm-hmm. And, and they uh, run meetings, then it, it's, it's common sense to man to, to keep that man because he does a much better job than anybody sure. else can. Sure. So we just, we just keep him there. Mm-hmm. And it, it's elevated. Yeah, if you're not careful, right? If you're not careful. <laughs> but in, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with saying, okay, this person here is naturally a good leader. So let's let's use his uh, abilities to help further our cause, right? And so nothing wrong with that. What's wrong when it becomes wrong is when we see it unfolding like it did in the beginnings of the Catholic Church. When, like Brother Joe said, you begin to elevate that person, put them on a pinnacle, give them some kind of extra authority, right? Well, <clears throat> when we talk about an eldership in the Lord's Church, is the eldership... Obligated to the eldership? Absolutely. Are the individual elders obligated to the eldership? Absolutely. Does an individual elder hold some kind of authority outside of that eldership? No, the authority is within the eldership, right? So each individual elder is in submission to that eldership, and outside of that eldership, they have no more authority than anyone else. Okay? That prevents this idea of elevating one person, right, if if you adhere to that. So that wasn't happening, was it? They, they probably had someone who was naturally charismatic and, and naturally able to, to uh, lead people, and people were kind of drawn to that individual, and we see that throughout. Uh, you know, how do presidents get elected in this country? They're charismatic. They People are drawn to them, right? Uh, you know, not necessarily anything wrong with that, with that characteristic, but you have to be careful with it, right? Uh, <clears throat> what was the Jim Jones? 
very charismatic. We know how that ended, right? Charles Manson, very charismatic. You know, had to be that had to be what it was because he was what about that tall? Had a bath three times in his life, and he had all these people surrounding him and just drawn to him. Charismatic, right? Nothing wrong with being charismatic and being able to to uh, uh, you know connect with people, but you but you have to be careful. And so, nothing wrong with putting someone in that position. But if they follow God's divine law where every individual is in subjection to the eldership, no one individual has authority outside the eldership, you know, then you won't have that problem, right? You won't have that problem. But obviously, that was the issue. They went beyond that which was written and decided to do what they wanted to do. Great comment. Anything else? Well, I think that's true, and Alexander says, you know, you appoint the ones who are supposed to be elders that meet these qualifications Paul talked about, then that shouldn't be an issue, right? <clears throat> I think that maybe is, is one of the problems throughout the world. <clears throat> People, uh, you know, I went to school with a fellow that was extremely intelligent, or at least I thought he was at the time. And now, he's off down in Texas <clears throat> at, uh, what's the name of that? School down there. It's, it's at Abilene. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, he's uh, teaching and promoting that elders don't have to be married. You know, we're 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 just really keeping a lot of good men out of the eldership that could be elders. Okay, then what? Well, then we got the Catholic Church, right? Or we got whatever we've got. And so that's right. If if we follow God's directives, we won't have this problem. But that's the problem, right? Well, what this, what this particular individual did was he began to try to convince people, well, that was just cultural. That was a cultural thing. You know. What are you basing that cultural thing on? What are you basing that on? You know, that's not true. It wasn't a cultural thing. It was a doctrinal thing. Absolutely. That is exactly the problem. It Ralph makes the point, you know, they're not, they're not reading the Bible. They're saying, okay, the preacher said this, the pastor said that, whatever happened... So I'm going to take, that's what happens in the Catholic Church, my brother. Let me tell you. I've mentioned this before when I was in India and I was studying with that Catholic pastor. He said, I just don't know much about the Bible. He's running a whole congregation of people and he doesn't know anything about the Bible and that's what the whole point is. So that, fit, that, that fits to exactly what, what Ralph's talking about. People are not reading the Bible. If someone tells you, don't worry about what the Bible says, I'll point you in the right direction, get away from that person. Get away from that person, right? We want to make sure that we understand what God said about it, that we follow His directives wholly, right? And then we won't have these problems uh, that, we're, that we're having here. <clears throat> Any other comments? I'm just going on what he looked like. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm just going to know what he looked like to me. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. That's just what he looked like. I see a picture of him. I'm, I can almost smell him through the picture. You know, just grimy looking little man. He had a bunch of pretty girls. He, he was, people were drawn to him. I'm telling you, the man was charismatic. You know, and, and so you got to be careful with people with a lot of charisma. Uh, now, we'll end on this. This evolutionary process here of changing the direction and the leadership within the church led to what they began to call the patriarchs. Okay? You have a bishop here, you have a bishop here, you have a bishop over here. And so these patriarchs or these bishops of these prominent cities began to kind of be the head people within the church. Well, if you have a group of head people, what do you ultimately have to have? Prince of the patriarchs. He became known as the Pope. Okay? And that's how that developed over a period of time. We'll pick up there next time, beginning, uh, finishing as we look at our church history. Any comments before we, before we end? All right. Thank you so much.